For today's Bible reading is from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptising, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abram as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is ready at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptise you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Look, I know you're still trying to enjoy the afterglow of Christmas, because this is the nice bit, isn't it? My favourite time of year, between Christmas and New Year, when no one's expecting much of anyone. But I wonder, have your thoughts turned to making any New Year's resolutions? I've stopped making them because I think it's important to be honest with yourself and those around you, and I don't want to make myself a liar. But I'm sure you're much better than me, so you go for it. There are different kinds of resolutions, aren't there? Giving something up, starting to do something, cutting back on something, or increasing something. It can be material things, it can be personal traits. New Year's resolutions can be a really helpful thing. But in today's passage, Matthew introduces us to John the Baptist, who keeps going on about not about resolutions, but about something much more repentance repentance it's a theme he keeps picking up on so we'll have a look at what repentance means as we look at this bloke in a very different outfit and here's your outline we're going to talk about this bloke in a very different outfit his very different message and then the very different baptism the baptism that jesus brings so first john is a bloke in a very different outfit John seems to our ears to be eccentric, to say the least, doesn't he? Verse 4. John's clothes were made of camel hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. And yet, people come flocking to see him. Verse 5. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. It's like he wasn't just a local celebrity like Scotty at Colonnades. People flocks from every town and village, from all over the country. And in Acts we read about him having disciples miles away from Jerusalem. So John the Baptist was a big deal, the hot ticket of his day. Why? 
Well, to understand why, we need to get our heads around a few things, because we're not first century Jews, who is Matthew's original audience, so we've got a bit of catching up to do with some of his references. And that's okay, we're used to doing that. Like, every time we watch a TV or a movie set in New York, there's always lots of niche in-references that we just get to know and adjust to. So we can do the same with the Bible. So just briefly, here's some background. Verse 1, John the Baptist. So Baptist isn't his surname, it's what he does, it's what he's famous for, for baptising people. So what's baptism? Well, it's not something Christians invented, Jews were already doing baptisms. And it was an identification ritual that involved dunking someone in water or sprinkling them with water. And it was a way of identifying yourself with a thing that you were baptised into. So the water was a symbol of washing away what you previously identified with and coming out of the water, identifying with the new thing you're identifying with. And the thing to notice is that it was practiced by Jews on non-Jews, not on each other. <clears throat> Excuse me. Practiced by Jews on non-Jews who wanted to convert to Judaism and leave paganism behind, not by Jews on themselves. So John's baptising and his message begins, verse 2, repent. So most simply, repent means to turn around, to do a 180. So it's not just realising you're on, in the wrong and feeling regret. It's deciding to change and go in a different direction in how you live because you realise that you're in the wrong. It's a fundamental shift of orientation of your mind, your will, your heart all of who you are. So before I became a Christian, my life was all about me, what I wanted, my popularity, my well-being. Even the good things I did, ultimately, were for my own sake, to make me feel good, to make sure I didn't feel guilty. But like every other Christian, I turned away from living for myself and chose to live for Jesus instead. So repentance is a radical change in orientation of life that results in changed behaviour, outlook and priorities. So that's what John is calling people to. But why? Well, verse 2, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So kingdom of heaven is another way of saying kingdom of God because Jews didn't like to say God's name. Uh, to make sure they honoured him and they didn't blaspheme. So the kingdom of heaven is God's rule over a realm. But specifically it's his uncontested rule, the way the Bible talks about it. His uncontested rule over a realm. So God is always ruling everywhere, all the time, right now. But right now that rule is opposed. It's opposed by spiritual forces like Satan and demons. And Significantly, it's opposed by us, by humanity. We've each, in our own way, thrown off God's rule. So instead of good, evil flourishes. Pride, hatred, arrogance, injustice, oppression, hatred. They're all the fruits of our turning our backs on God's loving, God's loving rule. And the Old Testament promises in places like Isaiah 65, look that up later, that there'll come a day when God will rule uncontested, visibly, publicly, without any opposition, 
So that the only thing that flourishes is goodness and love. No evil, no sin. Complete justice, no wrongs. Complete peace, no fear or anything to worry about. And as well as lots about a kingdom, the Old Testament also looked forward to a king for that kingdom. There's lots about in what we call the servant song, so bits of Isaiah, book of Isaiah, his prophecies. So for example, Isaiah 42 verse 1. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. So this king will have an authority over all nations and all creation. So to recap, there's a kingdom to look forward to, a king to look forward to, but that's not all. There's also the promise of a forerunner, someone who will come before that king to get people ready. So that's what Matthew's quoting in verse three. The prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So Matthew is telling us, John is this messenger. So that means God's king is about to turn up. Malachi verse 3, another Old Testament prophet, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. And Malachi also says this, prof this messenger sorry, will be like the prophet Elijah. So by the time John the Baptist turns up, Israel haven't heard from a prophet for over 300 years. They're occupied by the Romans. Things are a long way from the return to glory days that they'd hoped for. They're desperate for God's king to come and establish his kingdom. And so they got up their antenna right up for his forerunner. They're looking out for his messenger. And now here comes John, this bloke, in a very different outfit. These apparently are the latest fashions for blokes from Paris Fashion Week. Now, if you saw a bloke wearing this, you'd know he was a follower of fashion. It's the only reason you'd wear that stuff. His clothes would say something about him. John's clothes mean he looks like Elijah and he sounds like Elijah. He even eats like Elijah. That's why the crowds are coming to him. He is the messenger, the forerunner. So God's king must be on his way. I mean, we understand anticipation, don't we? We have anticipation for Christmas just now, anticipation for a solution to COVID so we can go back to some sort of normality. But when that comes, we'll probably still be looking forward to something else, something else on the horizon. But recognising John the Baptist is God's messenger means that we know that the most important news in history has already happened. God's King Jesus has come and set in motion his complete rule. That was good news directly relevant to John's crowds and it's good news directly relevant to us. So let's have a look at John's very different message. Our next section, a very different message. So here, here's John baptizing, not just pagans, but also Jews. They're all repenting. So even Israel, God's chosen people, 
are recognising that there is a problem between them and God. That they've got things wrong. Verse 6. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the Jordan River. What was so different about John's message was that it was, wasn't just calling for behaviour modification. He was calling for repentance, for a change of heart. So people often think Christianity is just about behaviour modification, you know, following the example of the good man Jesus. But that can't be what John meant by repentance, because his harshest words were for the experts in behaviour modification. Those who were most successful at behaviour modification, the religious leaders who'd come along for a nosy. John's not convinced they're there to repent. Verse 7, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, that's different kinds of religious rulers, coming where he was baptising, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abram as our father. I tell you, out, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. <laughs> it's hardly a warm welcome, is it? He calls them a brood of vipers, because whilst they might have been great at making and following rules, their good behaviour wasn't from a heart of knowing that they were in the wrong and turning to God. They haven't come to confess their sins because they don't think they need to. John knows their trust is in their own identity as Israelites, descendants of Abraham, rather than in trusting and loving God for his own sake. They were great at being sticklers for the law that God had given, but couldn't see their own failure to love the lawgiver. And they're leading people astray into loving their own rule-keeping performance instead of relying on God. John says this also bluntly because so much is at stake. Where people are going to spend eternity is at stake. Because with God's rule will come God's judgment. Verse 7, John warns of the coming wrath, God's just and right anger against sin and evil. Verse 10, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And verse 12, talking about Jesus the coming king, his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his th threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. They're confronting images, aren't they? Judgment is coming and we all deserve it. And the idea of God getting rid of evil and sin once and for all is great, isn't it? How often do we cry out, why can't God intervene in this suffering and evil? But it sounds great, perfect peace, no worry, that justice will be done, all those people who wronged you held to account. It sounds great, evil getting its just deserts. Until we remember our own prideful sin. Every one of us have failed to love God as we should. To illustrate, imagine a family at Christmas. The parents have loved and nurtured their children, really cared for them, made sacrifices for them their whole life, given all they could to help set them up in the world. They're grown up now, their children, and every Christmas 
they buy them really thoughtful gifts and look forward to them coming home. But imagine if each Christmas there's a knock on the door and their sons and daughters just barge in, head straight for the Christmas tree, rummage through all the gifts, grab theirs and clear off again without so much as a greeting, a word of thanks or any acknowledgement of the kindness, the warmth and the love they've been shown behind the gifts that they've been shown the whole life. What would those kids deserve? Well, that's what we do to God when we reject his rule, his good loving rule and choose to live life for ourselves our own way. And it deserves judgment. John's saying to the religious leaders, to anyone listening in, to us, you can't fool God with outward appearances. Relying on being a descendant of Abraham won't save you from the coming judgment. Relying on being a decent person who tries not to do anyone any harm, whose good deeds probably outweigh their bad, won't save you from the judgment that those bad deeds truly deserve. Our problem with God is a serious problem requiring a serious response. Verse 8 again. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Turn from where your life was heading, living for yourself, and turn to living for God instead. And that will produce good fruit, a transformed life. Any Christian here today will tell you, uh, it's still a struggle. There's something for us to repent of every day. And becoming more godly actually just helps us to see all the clearer how very much we've got to repent of. But our heart orientation, our trajectory is lined up with where true life, true freedom is to be found. Living for God. And that produces the fruit of a changed life. So I'm sorry if all this talk of judgment is a bit heavy for between Christmas and New Year. For this is how Matthew follows up the Christmas story to get us ready. He tells us the bad news and what we must do about it, repent, so that we're ready to hear the good news. And there is good news. The good news of a very different baptism. Our last section, a very different baptism. John tells us what we can expect from the king that he has come to get us ready for. Verse 11. I baptise you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That line, Holy Spirit and fire, that would have brought to mind for John's crowd another promise God made that this king is going to, that this king is going to bring about. It's from Ezekiel 36 and it says, I will give you, God's people, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. In other words, John, say, John the Baptist is saying, I haven't got the power to forgive you. I can't actually change your heart and deal with your sin. 
but the one who's coming after me really can. He has all the power and all the authority to make you clean and to change you from the inside out, to turn your heart around. John said, repent because the king is near. We need to repent because he's already been. And when he came first time, it was to save, to give us a way out of the judgment that we rightly deserve and the way into perfect right relationship with God through confessing our sins, turning away from living for ourselves, turning to living for Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. When he returns, as he promises his will, it will be to judge, to do away with evil once and for all. In the meantime, he offers every one of us grace, mercy, a fresh start. So do you get John's message, Jesus' message? Repent. Be serious about turning your life around. If you've never confessed your sin to God, if you've never truly repented, why not do that today? Jesus promises you a new heart, a fresh start, and the freest, most fulfilling life that there is. Life lived as what you were made for, living with Jesus as your king. Maybe you'd like to investigate further to make sure Jesus isn't fake news, and we'd love to help you do that at Trinity Church Woolcroft. Uh, it can either be one-to-one -one with me or one of our regulars, or in a group on our Christianity Explored courses that will start in the new year. A, a really good first step to take is just read the rest of the story in one of these gospel biographies. So you can find them on Bible Gateway or something like that. Just Google them. Read Matthew's Gospel or Mark's Gospel. Ask God to speak to you in a way that you'll understand as you read it, and I reckon he will. But for Christians, for believers, all of us, New Year's resolution, they're kind of tinkering around the edges, trying to fix ourselves from the outside in. Trying to, it's like trying to fix a broken car by repainting it. But repentance, start turning your heart to Jesus and he promises to help you complete the 180. In part now and in eternity completely, making you perfect. Christians, unbelievers, all of us, for all of us, New Year's resolutions are just tinkering around the edges, trying to fix ourselves from the outside in. But repentance, that's different. That's starting to turn your heart to Jesus. Turn your heart to Jesus, and he promises to help you complete the 180, in part now and in eternity completely, making you perfect in right relationship with God.